I'm really excited to be having this conversation because I think the last time I talked to Mr. Ranjpalai, he was a minister, but now he is the premier of Yukon Territory. And uh, Ranj, welcome back. Thanks for having me. How it's good been? to be here. How you been? I'm, I'm good. Life uh, has changed a little bit. Life's changed. A few more uh, responsibilities on the table, but things are good. Um, happy to be here sharing what's happening in the Yukon, and there's lots happening, and we're pretty excited about what we're seeing in investment numbers this year and yeah. the excitement around some of the companies that are here as well. So um, an honor to be able to represent uh, the premier, uh, the Yukon as premier and to be here in Europe. Yeah, well, it's an honor to have you on the podcast because we want to talk all things mining in Yukon. It's okay. obviously been you know, a tremendous, not only just a year, but a couple years mm-hmm. here in Yukon. Not only you've got a couple you know big development discoveries and gold from the snow line you've got majors yeah. moving in and yeah. and dabbling a little bit in development with casino um, you know there's a number of different projects out there that have their own very unique story but let's talk a big picture in Yukon sure. and what 2023 looked like under your tutelage. Uh, 2023 was I think the theme when it comes to mining for us when it, on the on the government side of the conversation is about um, really focusing on strategic investment in infrastructure. Really important for the Yukon. Um, we need to have a clean power source going forward. We have a lot of potential for big projects. Uh, so it's about making sure that we can future-proof projects. And that's about building a grid connection to British Columbia. Um, that's been a focus right now. So we've just put our application, our ask, into the federal government of Canada. There's a significant amount of money. Uh, there's a fund of about $1.5 billion that's going to be allocated across the country. Mm. And we are looking to um, leverage some of that, those dollars to do um, our first phase of work on that great connection. And we've got alignment with the B.C. government. I met with Premier EB two, three weeks ago, um, working hand-in-hand with us. It'll continue to help unlock... Uh, projects in northern British Columbia, okay. but as well as the Yukon. So that's big. And then, you know, before I ju- uh, Thursday night, uh, Pacific Standard, Standard Time or Yukon Time at 5:30, we passed the supplementary budget before um, heading to fly here. And um, I we supported 21, just over 21 million dollars that will be deployed to build uh, a marine services platform in Skagway, Alaska, which is mm. ensuring that we have access to tide water for the next 50 years for. Uh, projects in the Yukon. So big stuff and you know what look I'll just quickly say 250 million dollars being spent on our international airport. Um, we're completing a three-year project which is um, ensuring there's a redundancy in fiber uh, throughout the Yukon. Really complex project. We crossed 1100 water crossings um, and it is a 777 kilometer fiber line um, wow. which is about 100 million dollars and that's important. Anybody that's um, large majors, like you said, the Rio Tinto, Mitsubishi, um, companies like that any, that are looking at sophisticated sophisticated modern uh, mining techniques need that digital backbone. Yeah. I, I do want to spend a little bit of time talking about uh, this, this hydropower connection sure. with BC. Okay. Um, and I'm wondering if it needed to take a major company like a Rio Tinto to come into the territory and kind of start having those negotiations to be like, we are very much interested, but these are the things we need from you as a government before we can even really take it to the next step. What do those relationships with those majors 
look like now that just mm-hmm. weren't necessary? I mean, there was somewhat there before, yeah. but this is like this is things. If you really want to take that next big step step yeah. in mining in Yukon, everybody's got to give a little, right? Yeah. So what is that? How does that those conversations look like? Sure. I think two part. I had really good folks working with me in 2017, and we um, commissioned a study uh, and looked at this uh, approach for future-proofing power. The challenge at the time was government was changing in British Columbia, and there wasn't a lot of interest out of uh, BC at the time. And they're, they're, so we, it kind of stalled the conversation. I, I always felt that it was something we had to continue to focus on, and when I decided to run for Premier, I had a you know, f- about five main items that I identified in the leadership run, and this was one of them. Uh, so the timing really aligned, uh, I think, with this big interest at a Rio Tinto and Mitsubishi. Um, so the conversation now, the second part of this, I would say, is that, yeah, I mean, I'm going to be flying out tomorrow to London, uh, continuing conversations with uh, Mitsubishi, continuing conversations with uh, Rio Tinto, seeing, you know, if they're um, still interested in continuing to do the you know, the work they're doing right now with Western Copper um, and other companies like tech and, you know, right, that are right, there as right, well. Right. But yeah, it's changed it because now when you start to really look at um, the cost of carbon, when you look at, um, you know, a major anchor uh, partner, it it really gives you flexibility in what the business model can look like. Right, right. Another aspect I want to ask you about with grid power is the efficiency yeah. of transferring that power from BC mm-hmm. to Yukon. I mean, that's a big project. Was there anything on the table of being self-efficient here for Yukon? You know, maybe looking at, I don't know, a nuclear power yeah. or something. You know, like, is you know, what are the risks of being reliant on the, you know, the province of the south of you for, you know, grid power like that? You know, yeah. like, how are you weighing these risks and rewards here? Yeah, We'll continue to look at projects on our in, within our grid um, on the production side. Like we'll continue to invest. Of course, there's a there's a time when you're looking at capex of that magnitude in the billions that you have to really focus oh, yeah. on that. But I think um, look, I'll just say this: when it comes to nuclear, um, I've I. I was energy minister a number of years ago and sat at the table, um, actually chaired the, the energy and mines table for Canada with a federal minister, O'Regan, and I made sure we were in those discussions around nuclear. It's coming, but we're not there yet. And it's a, I feel it's still a ways off. I think we need an environmental um, a regime that can contemplate these projects. I think we need capacity, not just in places like New Brunswick and Ontario, where there's a history of nuclear um, activity um, when it comes to power production. But I think we need to make sure that we have... There's a, there's a lot of work to be done, yeah, I think, right. still. So it's there. And I think it's going to be a viable option in the north, and it's going to be uh, key towards Arctic security, um, mineral development, all those things that in the future. But right now, I think, you know, we've sat down with First Nation governments, first thing I did, and and nations are really excited about the opportunity to help us build this grid connection. So, um, you know, we went to the table, we asked the nations that would be affected by this project. Um, we've got alignment by um, those nations, and, and moreover, they're looking at the business opportunities. So, I think it's... You know, the social license looks good, yeah. um, 
and you know we'll continue to weigh out the options between some of these smaller projects that we still have on the books that we're trying to build and continuing to do this work. But this is about, Trevor, it's, it's not just about the mineral sector for us, it's about the growth. I mean, we have the fastest growing population in Canada, even though we have a small population uh, considering, you know, province to province or territory or province to province um, in comparison. We're, we have significant growth. Um, we are seeing billions of dollars being spent in northern Canada on Arctic security. And this is a dual-use infrastructure. It's not just about industrial use, it's about proper uh, quality of life for Yukoners, and it's about making sure that we shore up our Arctic security. And you can't run new infrastructure through the north without um, a proper uh, energy source. And we've just spent half a decade getting rid of, you know, fossil generation. So why would we now build infrastructure for Arctic security and you know, not use clean energy. Sure, so, yeah. sure. No, fair enough. Yeah. You know, I guess if a project like this goes forward with this grid power, you know, it's 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 not just simple as you know you're you're connecting, you know, BC Hydro to, uh, uh, you know, to just one spot and then it disperses. Like you're talking a major, you know, major yeah. territory, a huge land territory, and let's say you know let's say it does get approved to power up a casino project mm -hmm. but it has to expand like that because you can't just necessarily single out just one or two projects right mm -hmm. like you got to go the Ross River you got to go to Mayo you got to go up to Dawson so I mean this project is a massive project I mean it might be something that you know at the end of your career is what you put your stamp on I mean that's yeah. that's, that's that's the scope or, of or the front of it yeah the front of it like I think it's my approach to this has been this is a it is a very significant project like you know I the fiber project that we're talking about mm -hmm. now we negotiated that in the early part of my time in government and now you know I'm seven going into eight years at it and now we're seeing this thing come to completion like it these are big projects so and that the one we're talking about great connections bigger my feeling has been that there needs to be leadership in place to understand um, how to get this right out of the gates and so that's about alignment with partners alignment with first nation governments we're on the right track mm -hmm. it's about um, getting uh, funds in place that are not going to go on the back of the ratepayer um, but working with canada and making sure the federal government understands the importance of this and get getting the first phase you know one or two phases out the door but um you know i look the, I assume I'll be off to other things by the time somebody lights this thing up, but 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 we need to work that way now, right, and so right, that's right. it. You know, this will take um, you know multiple multiple mandates of government in order to complete it, but we need to go at it now. And right now is the right time because the government's investing in infrastructure for critical minerals. And yes, to go back to what you said, dealing with line loss and you know what there's the what are all the challenges off a line this big there's many but also I think the reason that you know British Columbia is supportive is because they know that there's substantial projects in northern BC so there's going to be opportunities throughout northern BC and then you get into you know community like Watson Lake which we have that needs to get onto a clean power source so you know that takes you up towards Ross River um, what spur lines I don't want to predetermine because it really depends on which projects are moving quicker but you know fireweeds here really exciting stuff I mean you look at Mac Pass that's a really important project uh, it's a it's a significant source of tungsten at a time when 
our competitors, I'll use that word, that control the tungsten um, you know, space um, are making it more difficult for us to access this. So it's that whole conversation about you know, minerals and security. Yeah, and uh, so that's another reason we have to be thinking about this. It's not just the economic opportunity; it's about you know securing North America. It's about securing um, with our partners here in Europe as well. Yeah, the critical minerals aspect of this whole narrative is obviously really crucial. But you know, Yukon was built on a gold rush, yeah. and you know, spots up in Mayo next to like the Eagle Mine, Victoria. I mean, that entire area is just filled with gold a lot of perspective i mean yeah. that could be a major gold producing yeah. area for a couple lifetimes the way it's shaping up to be so you know how how about positioning those current projects within this strategy of of you know looking down the road of, of connecting the power to them yeah i, I don't want to there's there's a lot of opportunity so i don't want to um say that there's not projects throughout the Yukon. There's the right. Kiwani region in the, in the west and there's projects, you know, further north. But really, look, there's, there's what we're seeing is between Mayo and Kino, that area, we've got the acquisition of, by Hecla and Hecla moving in and yep. doing some, you know, more expansion. Um, we're excited to see Hecla there. We think Hecla's a good fit for the Yukon. We think um, they have a long-term view. I've met with their senior people um, last weekend. They were um, there... Um, their, their vice president Rob Brown and they do have a long-term view and they're community-minded we're happy to see them we've got Victoria Gold who's represented here it's just a, you know continues to be a great story under uh, John McConnell's leadership and then Banyan which has been you know somebody we hold in high regard which is Tara Christie and her role as CEO a longtime Placer gold mining family yeah. in the Yukon now her uh, role so you're absolutely correct and then we've got Snowline which is you know I don't want to Look, I got to be careful. I'm a politician, but I'll say when I talk about, you know, the what it means, uh, their ma the magnitude of what they had. But if you know, some parts of Canada are going to be looking at tech plays and expansion. We do mining. We believe in mining. We're not afraid to say we support mining. We're not afraid to say that this country or this world needs mining. And um, you know, that's a unicorn. Yeah, that yeah. is a unicorn. That is, you know, uh, I what I can say is I. I went out to site, the first rock that we picked up, we cracked and it was visible gold. That's what <laughs> happened, you know, and, and I was with the mines minister with me and, you know, we, you know, laughed about it and it was an incredible spot. Um, when we um, think about the Dawson range yeah. from Dawson City, so Newmont now is making a quick move to put all their applications in for their licensing. So that's the coffee for project. Coffee. Yeah. yeah. And we met with Newmont and they're great. Uh, you know, community-minded people. Actually, Thursday night when we passed the budget, they just donated a bunch of funds to our um, hospital corporation. It's great okay. to see Newmont's uh, presence in the Yukon. And we were kind of waiting for them to make a move. Yeah, and it's, it happened just before geoscience. So they're, oh, they're yeah. So we're you know they're they're taking the next steps, and uh, we're happy about that. So that's another uh, customer. You know, when it comes to power, but it's also um, folks that you know are are. A big player, of course, yeah. globally, the biggest player when it comes to the gold uh, sector, I guess. Um, and then, if, you know, Western Copper, I've met with their teams uh, last week. Um, they're pretty excited. And we spent some time in Japan in September and met with uh, Doha and Mitsubishi. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there's a lot of interest out of Japan. There's good partners. They've, we're seeing them, um, Japanese companies, um, just across the border in Alaska on the Palmer project, but also yep. coming into uh, 
the UConn with great interest. Okay. So, yeah, some fun stuff. So, I mean, let's, let's kind of change the conversation. Let's do talk about critical minerals. You know, as as a uh, United States voter, I just kind of shake my head every time how we talk about a green energy revolution, but then on the yeah. other hand, kind of turn our backs when we are looking at ways to supply the resources to get to where we are. And then we continue to have that conversation almost daily on this podcast. But how was... How was the relationship between you and the Yukon with Ottawa, but also now with, you know, almost like a Washington, D.C. dependency on sourcing those metals mm-hmm. from someplace? If it's not going to happen in the United States, in the lower 48, are you having those conversations with delegates from D.C. with their compatriots at Ottawa? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting uh, conversation. I mean, Canada right now, to be fair to the feds in this space, they get it. Like they're putting money in. I'm they're, glad they get it because yeah, people in DC do not get it. Well, <laughs> yeah, like Mr. Champagne's been phenomenal to work with. He flew up and spent a bit of time with us. He's been putting most of these uh, larger industrial battery deals together. Uh, you know, Ontario. Now there's one that just got announced in uh, British Columbia. Um, so I work closely with him. He's sort of an economic development minister, um, and Minister Wilkinson on the mining side. There, the, it's his shop that's um, his department that's uh, deploying this 1.5 billion out to provinces and territories across Canada. So that that part of the conversation is good. Um, you know, when we go and talk to them about reducing red tape on the regulatory side, and that we have solutions for that, that conversation's been a lot slower. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, so we've, we've tabled some solutions to reduce the environmental assessment process in the Yukon um, without um, damaging the integrity of it. And we're trying to let them know, hey, these are things that you said you want to accomplish and we've tabled this uh, proposal with you and we need your support. So, you know, there's still a challenge on the candidate side. What's been tough for us is as a small subnational government, we're in the midst of building a port in Alaska, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, a part of a port. And it's because, you know, I spent time with the um, Ambassador Cohen, uh, the Consul General, so that the officials um, that represent the U.S. in Canada and said, look, we're, can you help? Like, you know, is there an investment that can happen from the U.S.? Um, we've met with state officials, which we're starting to, like, really build a good relationship with the governor of Alaska, uh, Governor Dunleavy, right now, and we'll have some announcements about codifying some priorities together in the the new year but at the same time it's interesting it's u.s politics it's a learning experience for me where you know the ambassador says no you you, we don't get involved in municipal level politics or state politics so we'll just leave you to have those discussions with um, the borough skagway which has been great they've been great partners but you know when when you to be blunt when when the united states of america inventories the Canadian list of critical minerals. <laughs> what I sense, I guess, that they you know, feel yeah, they have access. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you would hope they would also have the mindset to say, hey, we're going to help build a port in our own country so that you can actually export those materials either to another part of Canada or to us so we can add value to it. So I still feel like th- there's a disconnect in the ecosystem we're trying to build between our countries. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think most people would say, if Canada and the U.S. wanted to add value and build out smelters, which is more power, more energy, it's those are big. I know those are massive investments. Yeah. Um, but we would probably see some of the most dramatic 
economic activity North America has seen. Like these are big projects, and right now we're all in a position where we're sending those materials across the ocean for the most part. Right. Not that there's not, you know, there yeah, are yeah. some. No, majority of the stuff yeah. is free yeah. to find over yeah. Japan or China. So, so. so there's there's good, you know, good parts of the conversation, but there's still disconnection. Yeah. I guess, so. What is, do you feel a responsibility or a role to try to mend that disconnect between, you know, the territory, but also, uh, you know, people who would be most interested out of Washington, D.C. as, you know, Yukon being a great opportunity yeah. to be a partner in this, whatever it is, this, you know, strategy and, and I guess energy renaissances that they're so keen to obtain and reach. It's, it's happening at different levels. We have uh, CEOs of our companies, our junior mining companies that are reaching out to the, you know, at least one scenario where they've reached out to the Department of Defense to say, look, we have something you should look at. So it's an interesting where they, you know, they're sort of engaging with the U.S. Mm-hmm. Department of Defense on a Canadian commodity. Um, our senator, uh, Senator Duncan, who was the premier t- about 20, just over 20 years ago, um, was in contact with me last week and was spent time on Capitol Hill and okay. actually was deep into a conversation and meeting with uh, uh, Senator Murkowski and others. So there seems to be that there's a dialogue happening. And, you know, whenever I meet with the ambassador in Ottawa, um, we're continuing to let them know about the opportunity. And then the Consul General, there's a new Consul General right now in, in Vancouver um, that spends time and covers the Yukon. So there's, th- I think, you know, it's an interesting thing. It's sometimes you feel, because um, we're pretty remote, and that, you know, do folks know what's happening? But I can tell you, like, I was in, so I was in, I was in Tokyo and I was in Delhi in September. Mm. And in, when you're walking into either one of those major cities, two of the biggest cities in the world, on the other side of the world, and they're asking you about specific things. Really? Um, you know, I, it was the last day that Parliament was closing in India, and folks really wanted to know what was happening with Western Copper. First question. Really? And, you know, um, that's interesting. That you is know? interesting. Yeah, I mean, we're also, you know, our, our community that of Carmax is, um, I, I work closely with uh, the Chief Tom, who's there, and, you know, there are also concerns in that community because they're, they've seen lots of positive impacts, but also some challenges, um, big challenges from industrial activity. So, you know, I try to share information uh, with the chief, with her, and she's, you know, she's like, hey, this is of global interest. But also, you know, what we say to any company or country that's interested is come to the Yukon, sit down with the community members and community leaders and make sure you build relationships before you do anything Yeah. or want to do anything. Okay. I do want to ask you about the Minto mine, if possible. Yeah. Because that was a little bit of a... Uh, hiccup or a surprise or whatever it is. It never felt like there was a whole lot of clarification yeah. about why that mine stopped or no kind of where it stands right now. Can you shed some light on, on those yeah. on those developments? Yeah, look, uh, I'll be careful uh, for, for legal reasons, but I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I, I'm pretty upset about what I watched happen there. Um, look, there seemed to be multiple iterations of that organization and that company. And my sense was, you know, some of the, the tougher parts of the, of the sector, the, the, the things that we don't want to see, which is about, you know, money versus putting people in communities first is what I saw happen. And so, you know, there's a lot of workers that um, didn't get their last paychecks. There's companies that didn't get paid for the work. And as a government, we had to step in and make sure that we 
um, took care of the site and um, made sure that from an environmental perspective everything was um, was solid and so that's what we did but there's a cost for us on that right. and um, you know there's a right now we're pulling um, without getting t you know too far into the details but yeah there was in there's a security in place and that's been covering the costs mm -hmm. of um, the remediation reclamation but I'm excited because it did go into receivership and it is going through a process that's a, that should be completed in January um, and we have heard that there's some exciting uh, proposals that have been put in place and you know my hope is that we see um, a new owner uh, come to the table um, I think you know it's a, it's a great project and there's lots more life mine life there from what I've been told um, we know the world needs copper it's a great story 100% of the royalties of this project goes to that um, the small community of Selkirk First Nation mm. just the way it's uh, the land is titled and so it's a it's a great revenue source for the for that community to you know, increase the quality of life for their citizens. Um, it's great for the Yukon um, economy, uh, and it's an important source of copper. So, you know, a bump, um, Minister Stryker that I work with did a great job of stepping in um, in a timely manner. And now we have to see what's going to happen with this process. Okay. Uh, I think the about a year ago or more than that, I can't remember the last time you and I chatted, but you had data from 2022 about the amount spent in, in the exploration sector in Yukon. Yeah. Uh, we haven't wrapped up 2023, obviously, yeah. but do you have a sense of you know, how t this past year kind of stands compared to 2022? Because I remember 2022 was a huge year coming off of COVID. Yeah, it was. I mean, 2022 was good. I know that we were um, in. in I, look, I just looked over numbers this week. I think our projected numbers were about 150. Where I think we're up 19% over what we had projected in the spring mm -hmm. on the numbers that came out last week. So we're, we're looking good. But what I the number I like right now is um, over 100 million in, in that's money raise, and it's in British Columbia, which is a big, um, you know, it's a it's a big province it's got a lot of things happening they're at about 100 and just under 150 so we're almost you know we're we're keeping pace with British Columbia as a small um, uh, province or territory and so I'm pretty excited about that yeah. I think our our gross domestic product being driven I'll say here's some big numbers too is well, like our significant numbers um, by mining so 2020 in the middle of a pandemic I think I've shared this with you before I know but 10% GDP increase yeah next year 8.5% then 5.6% those are real numbers not like yeah, yeah, crazy yeah. stuff you heard from yeah. the US <laughs> no and so it's like you know we're in a position where we had growth and it was right. driven by mining so I think going into this year look we feel pretty good about what the uh, in, in 24 as well what expiration will look like we're talking to folks uh, so really what I'm saying is the folks that are mining in our sector and exploring are raising money and they are oh, yeah. and um, in a tough time to raise. So they're raising money, which means that's money that'll be deployed next year. Um, so we're looking forward to a good expiration season. And you know what? I mean, inevitably, you got to get to this place where the majors are there, and you got to be able to support those acquisitions and growth. And that's right. what we're seeing. You know, Hecla, you know, sort of bigger player compared yeah. to others, but with Rio Tinto, with Tech, you know that significant uh, amount of players that is that's big and we're waiting to see you know what happens with BMC next steps and you've got Glencore which did off take there so there's big players um, in the Yukon looking to see what the next um, you know 
the next phase of what the history of Yukon mining will right. look like. Listen, the next phase is going to be probably the biggest phase yeah. in the development of Yukon mining and reestablishing it as you know, an epicenter of resource development yeah. in Canada and in the West, I think. My, I mean, my last question is, there's got to be some concerns on how to, you know, not concerns, but maybe challenges of how to, you know, provide for that infrastructure. It's going to take more people. It's going to take yeah. more, you know, places for those people to live and shop and raise their families and all those things. And so it's not just about building a new mine. It's also, you know, for every one person that comes and works in mine, can also, you know, live and feed six people off of that, right? And so there is a, there really could be, a lot of people coming into Yukon to support the sector. So, you know, how does the t- how does the territory look on providing those basic services for people to come on the back of mining and also yeah. stay? Yeah, it's it. I kept in this role, you know, for U.S. listeners, for your listeners, would say like, so. It's I'm comparable. So it's the it's the governor's role, right? It's the premier, and I kept certain key items which was areas of investment in mining and in tourism and in the economy uh, close to me um, relationships governed government first nations relationships still my responsibility um, some of the bigger projects i've got a good hand in like the grid connection but also housing and it's not normal but i kept housing because we were in a tight position on housing and we have been because of our growth all of North America, most cities are in that position. But really, what that means is when I finish here in, you know, discussions um, in London, then I turn my mind towards investment into housing. So we are looking at having a lot of Indigenous governments take the lead on big um, land development projects in housing. Um, so opportunity for them. And we have this really unique thing in the Yukon where if a First Nation government has housing built on their territory, the income tax that gets paid to Canada, to the federal government, a, a large portion of that goes gets sent back to the First Nation. So oh, okay. you've got a really interesting economic opportunity here for a lot of our First Nation governments. Um, but we're looking at a lot of public-private partnerships. So housing's gonna be key. I think there's a lot of, like we can see that people wanna come to the Yukon, but you're right. You have to make sure that you're continuing to have a, your healthcare system yeah. keep up. Um, the services around it. The good thing about these projects are even when there's two or three projects people are really excited about, what inevitably happens is it doesn't all happen right away. So you, but, but you better keep your eye on the ball and you better be making sure that you have solutions to build out the infrastructure around this growth. And you have to make sure that you learn from the past. And like, let, let's be open. We, whether it's the U.S., whether it's Canada, fast industrial projects we can all look back and say god i wish we could make them happen that quick like they used to but then there's the flip side was what were the impact to people and you know there's lots of really challenging stories oh yeah and the yukon um, has lots of them so we have to make sure that people that were impacted negatively in the past are in a position to benefit in the future on these projects and that's really part of the conversation but we've done a lot of the hard work we've got strategies in place our our MMIWG um, which is really about supporting um, indigenous women and girls uh, to us plus that is in place we did the work we've talked to you Connors we we know um, what we have to do to get those things right when it comes to our um, climate change strategy um, 
which is our clean future, it's in place. We know the things we have to do. And when it comes to healthcare, it's putting people first. We went out and did an extensive consultation. We're implementing it right now. So the pieces are there, the strategy's there. A lot of people find that really boring policy work. Sure, but you got to do it, and you want to make sure that the communities that you represent get to define what it looks like, and that's where we're going right now. Okay, very good. Thanks so much. Great to be it's here, really, and great to see you. It's really good to see yeah. you, man. Okay. I, I always enjoy these conversations. Uh, that is Premier Ranch Play, everybody, and he's going to be doing a, a big Yukon session here to wrap things up at the Deutsche Goldmas. So that's exciting as well. Uh, and we'll be back. We got more here from Frankfurt. Stay tuned. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decisions.